I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. On the 23rd of December, 1959, at 7.44pm, police in Birmingham were dispatched to the YWCA hostel in Edgebaston after a report from a frightened woman. 21-year-old Margaret Brown explained to the officers that she had been ironing in the utility room when she suddenly felt a draft. Upon investigating, Margaret discovered the door in the next room that led outside to the yard was open. Very strange, but the young woman didn't think too much of it. The wind was probably to blame. So Margaret closed the door and returned to her chores, only to hear the outside door opening shortly after yet again. This time, though, someone had also switched off the lights. Confused, Margaret got closer to the glass-paned door. It was then that she noticed a dark figure of a man in the shadows. Before Margaret had time to ask the stranger what he was doing, the man charged at her and hit her on the head with something heavy. Fortunately, the blow was not strong enough to knock Margaret unconscious, and she was able to let out a blood-curdling scream. That was enough to scare her attacker, who turned around and ran away. The police were called, and when they began their search at the YWCA hostel just minutes later, it was quickly realised Margaret Brown had been incredibly lucky to survive her encounter with the unknown man. Another young woman did not.
You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. The dun-coloured Victorian building that served as the YWCA hostel in Edgbaston, a suburban area of central Birmingham, had 12 separate rooms. At first, the police didn't really have a reason to investigate the insides of the building. After all, nothing seemed to be out of place or missing, and according to Margaret, the attacker had run away immediately after striking her. But when an officer was inspecting the grounds of the hostel, he noticed one of the bedroom windows was open. Concerned that the intruder could have entered the building through the window, the officer looked inside and saw a pair of legs on the floor parallel to the bed. Police Constable Albert Moll rushed to room four, burst open the door that was locked from the inside and discovered an unimaginably grisly scene that would keep him off work sick for weeks. The body of 29-year-old Stephanie Beard lay butchered on the floor in a pool of blood, naked and headless. As a Warrington CID officer said, the young woman had literally been torn to shreds. As the police later learned, Stephanie had come to Birmingham from the village of Bishop's Cleeve near Cheltenham to work as a clerk, but was currently unemployed. She had last been seen alive and well just some hours prior to the gruesome discovery when she had left a hairdressing salon near the hostel. How the young woman who had been packing for a Christmas trip to Scotland, had ended up brutally murdered inside her room without anyone hearing a thing, was a mystery. Stephanie had been sexually assaulted and manually strangled before her head was severed and placed on the bed. The attack had been so vicious that the weapon Stephanie's killer had used, a blunt bone-handled table knife had broken in two. The blood-stained handle was found on the bed next to Stephanie's head, while the blade itself had been wiped clean. The police estimated that the sadistic murder must have taken at least 45 minutes. Beheading someone with a table knife takes time. When the forensic team examined the murder scene, they found no significant fingerprints, but discovered size 10 footprints both inside room number 4 and on the grounds of the hostel. In addition, Margaret described the suspect to detectives as being around 5 foot 8 inches tall, aged 25 to 27, with a reddish face, fair hair and a square chin. 
The police also found an envelope on top of the wardrobe inside Stephanie's room with a cryptic message that read, This was the thing I thought would never come. After writing that sentence, the author crossed out the words. Whether or not the message was written by Stephanie's killer puzzled the police, as did the whole crime scene. The young woman's horrifying murder immediately became the priority. Christmas leave for the officers was cancelled, as Birmingham CID, with Detective Chief Superintendent James Horton as the lead investigator. Horton, his Deputy Detective Superintendent Gerald Bumbar, four Detective Chief Inspectors, eight Detective Inspectors, and a team of officers worked 16-hour days to hunt down Stephanie Baird's murderer. On the night of the 23rd of December, Detective Chief Superintendent Horton appeared on TV appealing to the public for information. This was the first time a man in charge of a murder investigation made an appeal on television. Horton soon became somewhat of a national celebrity due to his repeated appearances and cheerful disposition, which had earned him the nickname Sonny Jim among his colleagues and the smiling assassin among the criminals. But despite the efforts, the appeals were to no avail, which was rather strange considering the statement of a conductor of the number 8 in a circle bus. Just before 8pm on the night of Stephanie's murder, a young man wearing a brown hip-length duffel coat boarded the number 8 without saying a word to the conductor. He handed over sixpence and sat down upstairs, where he was later seen talking with two other men. The three eventually got off in the small heath area without anybody trying to stop the young man, whose coat and hands were heavily bloodstained. Following the conductor's account, the police scoured the area and continued to appeal for witnesses. But no one came forward, despite the fact there had been at least 50 people on board the bus at the time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Without the police having an obvious suspect in the case, or even a person of interest, Birmingham was quickly named Terror City by London sensationalist press. Because the killer had not just murdered a young woman, but also attacked another, everyone feared he would strike again. Nurses on the night shift in all local hospitals were forbidden to travel to work and back home alone, and instead were escorted on special buses. The Aston Villa football team even cancelled their out-of-town match because the wives of the team members would have been left home alone. It was just too big of a risk with the killer still at large. Meanwhile, the London Daily Mirror published an article shaming the people who had been riding on the bus that night for failing to report a bloodstained man to the police. Chief Superintendent Horton's appeals to the passengers were repeated over the radio, on TV and even flashed on the screens of cinemas with poor results. By Sunday, four days after the brutal murder, only one of the witnesses had come forward. Eventually, a few other passengers contacted the authorities, only to tell detectives that they did not even see a bloodstained man on bus number eight. However, the police learned that a homeward-bound worker had noticed a young man slumped against a wall at the Lee Bank Road bus stop in Birmingham at around 7.45pm, just moments after Stephanie's death. The young man had filthy clothes and tangled blonde hair, but despite his messy appearance, he was not drunk. Instead, the man explained he had just fallen, saying he would be just fine as soon as he got on the bus. The most vital witnesses, the two men that had been seen talking with the suspect, and a man with a boy who had allegedly refused to sit down on the bloodied seat after the young man left the bus, were never heard from. It was difficult to comprehend why these people chose not to come forward especially due to the almost £17,000 reward up for grabs. Of course, the passengers may have been too scared to get involved, but it was also speculated that because the bus was filled with people from a rougher area of Birmingham, they simply didn't want to get involved with cops. Or perhaps the passengers thought that because there were so many individuals on the bus that night, somebody else would contact the authorities anyway, so they wouldn't need to, like a form of the bystander effect. Whatever the reason was, the police desperately needed a break to move forward with the investigation. It took almost a month, but that break finally came on Tuesday the 19th of January 1960. That day, PC Mike Davey called at an address in Islington Row during house-to-house inquiries and discovered something suspicious. On the 23rd of December, 
the day Stephanie Beard was strangled to death and beheaded. A 28-year-old man named Patrick Joseph Byrne had been lodging at this very house. But on Christmas Eve, he had suddenly returned to his parents' place in Birchall Street, Warrington. Islington Row was just half a mile from the YWCA hostel. PC Davy immediately had a bad feeling. The police had already made house-to-house inquiries at this property, and Patrick's absence had not been noted by his associate. Still, it was just a feeling, and nothing else suggested that this man actually had anything to do with Stephanie's murder. Nevertheless, Warrington police were asked to trace Patrick Byrne and interview him, just in case. At this point, he was about to be just one of approximately 20,000 men the police had already talked to during the investigation. That, however, quickly changed. That Tuesday, Patrick was taken to the station at Arpley Street. He was acting somewhat nervous right from the beginning, but the police just thought, well, anybody who comes into a police station are a little bit nervous. But when Detective Sergeant Graham Henry Wellborn asked Patrick about fingerprints, the young man started shaking and soon admitted, I want to tell you about the YWCA. I had something to do with that. It's been on my mind. After weeks with no progress in the case, the confession was incredible. But Patrick could have also simply been a fantasist. So Detective Sergeant Wellborn called Birmingham Police, who instructed him to ask Patrick questions that only the real killer could answer. And he did. After being questioned by Detective Superintendent James Horton, Patrick Byrne was taken to Birmingham to face trial for the murder of Stephanie Baird. Apparently, Patrick had a history of secretly watching women for his own pleasure. But on the evening of the 23rd of December 1959, things just got out of hand. That day, Patrick had been drinking with four other men before he noticed Stephanie, who was walking back to the hostel. Patrick followed the young woman and watched her getting undressed through a window. That evening, just looking wasn't enough to satisfy Patrick, so he broke into Stephanie's room and asked for a kiss. Needless to say, Stephanie refused with fatal consequences, as her killer explained to the police. She screamed and I put my hands around her neck. She went backwards inside the room, with me squeezing her throat. I was lying on top of her, kissing and squeezing her throat at the same time. I heard a couple of small noises from her throat, but I just kept on kissing her. Upon realising his victim was dead, Patrick then picked up a bread knife and mutilated Stephanie's body. He also admitted to writing the message on the envelope and was able to describe Stephanie's clothes and the inside of room number four to the police. 
After leaving the room through the window, Patrick then saw Margaret, who he was instantly attracted to, and he decided that he would murder her too. After the failed second attack, Patrick allegedly went back to his lodgings and wrote a note to his landlord, claiming he had two personalities before tearing the paper to pieces. Experts later described Patrick as a sexual psychopath, but it was determined that he was not legally insane. Patrick Byrne was eventually convicted of Stephanie Baird's murder on the 24th of March 1960 and was sentenced to life imprisonment. But despite the fact that Patrick confessed and his shoes matched the footprints found at the scene and the case is solved and now closed, there is still something that remains a mystery. Patrick denied being the tacky-turn stranger wearing a hip-length duffel coat on bus number eight on the night of the murder. If he was telling the truth, as he had with everything else so far, then who was the blood-stained man? Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews and of course, your patience. I really do appreciate it and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and please stay safe. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.